Parshas Shoftim. In Parshas Shoftim, we learn one of the cardinal principles of procedure in a Jewish courtroom. It's something that anyone who is even vaguely familiar with the Torah knows. And that is the halacha, that in a Beisdin, it's two witnesses that establish the truth. A single witness shall not stand up to testify against a man for any iniquity or for any error regarding any sin that he may commit. It's by the testimony of two witnesses that the matter should be confirmed. Shoftim. Now the Mishnah asks, asks Akasha on this Pasuk because I left out some words when I quoted it to you. What the Pasuk actually says is, Al pishne edim, o al pishlosha edim, yakum davar. By the testimony of two witnesses or by the testimony of three witnesses, it shall be established. And those extra words, or three witnesses, sound superfluous to our ears. Not only superfluous, but they seem to be misleading. If you learned even a little bit of Gemara, so you know that trei kimea, two is like a hundred. If two witnesses testify to something, then that something has been established. There's no need for a third. Even if another 98 would have joined, it would make no difference. It's two that does it. And so the Mishnah asks, what's the purpose of these extra words or by the testimony of three witnesses? Space in the Torah is precious real estate. There must be something important there. And Chazal tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is teaching us a valuable lesson here. That the third witness is actually just as important as the first, as the first two witnesses. It's true. You didn't need him to establish the matter. The first two were already on the way to the basin, and they were just fine without you. But you tagged along anyhow. You joined them at the last second. And once you join in with the first two fellows, you are already one of them. And it's no monkey business, that decision to join in. Because suppose all three witnesses were found to be false witnesses. They were found to be zoimamin. Zoimamim means that two other witnesses came and said, how can you say that you saw this crime being done? You three witnesses were with us in a different place at that time. You're testifying that you saw Ruvain commit murder in Brooklyn, but at the same time, you, you were with us in Eretz Yisrael. So the Torah says, Va'asitem lo kasher zamam. You have to do to the three witnesses what they wanted to do to the person they falsely accused. They were trying to kill Ruvain, who is an innocent man. So they are put to death in retribution. The Beisdin must put them to death because they wanted to put this innocent man to death. So the question is asked. The first two, yes, they came to put a man to death. So they deserve to be put to death. But the third man speaks up. He says, what do you want from me? The first two, the first two were the ones whose testimony was going to kill Ruvain in the first place. My testimony was worthless. I was superfluous. And he's right. He didn't accomplish anything. Why punish me? I just said, me too. I also saw it. But if I would have kept quiet, the same thing would have still happened. The testimony of the first two witnesses would have been put, would have put Ruvain to death. So why are you punishing me? I should be put to death just for tagging along? So the Mishnah says, It's true, he didn't do much. But in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he did it all. That's why the Torah says, by the word of two witnesses, or by the word of three, 
Because the third one is blamed also. If someone joins those who do Avedis, even though he's just following along, no matter, because he joined in to do an evil attempt. So he's given full responsibility as if he was among the first two. He's considered just as important as the first two, and he's punished together with them. We are learning an important principle now. If somebody chimes in for something wrong, even though the wrong thing would have been done without him, just for chiming in, for identifying with those who are doing an Avera, he is, he is held guilty. But tonight, we won't speak about Averas. I don't want to make too many enemies with Rosh Hashanah around the corner. So we'll talk about a happier topic, the subject of doing mitzvahs. Because along comes Rabbi Akiva and he says like this, If this is how the Torah punishes someone who is merely an accomplice, he just joined the sinners, and now he is subject to the full penalty imposed on the first two. So all the more so if you join people doing a mitzvah, even though they don't need you, you'll be rewarded just like the ones who initiated the mitzvah. The ones actually carrying it out. They don't need you. Let's say they're carrying a heavy load for a mitzvah. You're walking down the street and you see a group of fellow Jews doing a mitzvah. They're carrying a couch. Let's say to an almana with a house full of little children. Somebody donated a couch for this poor woman and they're bringing it up to her apartment. They don't need your help. They're not struggling. But you come along and you put your shoulder underneath it. Your shoulder is not necessary. They're carrying it anyhow. But you show that you want to join in with them. You sympathize with them. Just that. You're wanting to help out. And you're going out of your way to assist, to assist them. That's called nitpal la'oise mitzvah. You're joining them and you get reward together with them. It's considered as if you went to the store to pay for the couch and carried it up, this almana's li- to up, up to this almana's living room. It's remarkable. It's a tremendous idea you're hearing now. That merely joining in makes you a full partner. Even though we don't need you. If you'll, if you'll join in, if you'll just take hold of the end and go through the motions as if you're participating in order to demonstrate that you're with those, these good people, that's a very great achievement for you. And it's such an important principle that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't wait for Parshas Shoftim to teach us this lesson. It was taught to us way back in the beginning of the history of the world. We're going to talk now about an episode that took place in the span of a minute, maybe two. Yet it caused a tremendous change in the course of the history of the nations. Everyone remembers what happened with Noah and his children when they finally exited the Teva. But now we'll explain it in a way you may have not heard before. After being saved from the Mubble, Noah understood that it was appropriate to give thanksgiving to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We are accustomed to the idea that ain omnim shira ella al hayayin. When you say praise to Akalaj Baruchu, you do so, you do it by means of drinking wine. We drink a little bit to give some fuel to the gratitude. So you'll have, so you'll open your heart and open your mouth a little wider and sing to Hashem. That's why we make Kiddush over a cup of wine. At a wedding under the chuppah, we drink wine. At all important occasions, at a bris too, you make a boyde priyagofen. In order to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we utilize wine. And so Noah drank wine as a means of igniting his gratitude to Hashem.
It could very well be that he didn't sit down by himself. Maybe he had his family with him. But there's no question that Noah was the most enthusiastic of all. And therefore, he imbibed a bigger measure, more than was necessary to be Yoytzeh the Mitzvah. And so he fell asleep because of the wine. Now, the exact circumstances of what happened next are not told to us, but here's what's related. Noah lied down under his blanket to sleep, but because he had been inebriated, so maybe he thrashed around a little bit and he became uncovered. All this was orchestrated by Hashem to test the future of mankind, to guide the course of the world that was being created again after the Mabul. Now, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Yefes. One of his sons, Ham, was a kind of man who was curious to see things. He was always looking where he wasn't supposed to be looking. And so he opened up the bedroom door and saw his father uncovered. Now that was a big mistake. He shouldn't have done it. It was none of his business. But he was Ham. He had a different nature. Ham means a man of a fiery disposition. He was a man of passions, of impulses. And the first impulse he had was to tell his brothers what he saw. Now, that was a mistake too. Why tell them? You're spreading news of your father's embarrassment? That was another mistake. But that was Ham. And what he did changed the course of his descendants forever. It's not our subject for tonight. But what's happening in the world today with Ham's great-grandchildren was in a very big way determined by what Ham did that very day. By the way, that's a chiddish of the Torah. You have to mind your own business. If you want to look, look for the things that are important for you to know. When people walk in the streets and look in other people's windows and other people's business, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not satisfied with them. It's none of your business what's doing in that man's life. You want to look at something? So look at the wonders of the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows you. Look at leaves, look at grass. There are miracles on all sides that show the hand of Hashem. There's plenty to see in the world without resorting to being a Cham. There are a lot of lessons to be learned from Cham, but that's another sh- subject altogether. I said before that I want to speak about mitzvahs, so we'll leave Cham on the side for now, and we'll study one of the valuable lessons we learned from his two brothers. What does the Torah tell us that Shem and Yefes did when Cham came? Came to them and opened his big mouth. Shem and Yefes took hold of a blanket, and they went in to cover up their father, Breshis. Now, Vayikach is written in the singular, and that's the wrong word. It should say, Vayikhu, plural, they took. Vayikach means he took it. What? What's that about? And he took. Who took it? Shem, Vayafes, and Yefes. It's a puzzle. And the answer is that Shem didn't need his brother. How much does a blanket weigh already? It's not a couch after all. Vayikach Shem. And Shem picked up the blanket. That's the way to read the Pasuk. Shem picked it up by himself and was walking with a blanket to cover up his father. And what happened next? Vayefes. Yefes saw Shem doing the mitzvah and he said, Me too. I want to hold on too. And he grabbed it. He grabbed on to the end of the blanket. That's why it says Vayikach, singular, because Shem is the one who took who took, who took, took it. He carried that blanket. Only that Yefes saw what was going on and he grabbed the corner. He joined in to do a good thing. What happened at that moment 
was an earth-shattering event. What Shem and Yefes did at that moment changed the fate of their descendants forever. The generosity of the soul of Shem came forth at that moment, and that's why he was Zoyche forever and ever. Later, when Noach discovered what had happened, so he said the following prophecy, Vayishkon, where will Hashem dwell? Ba'ohale Shem, only in the tents of Shem. The Am Yisrael would come forth from Shem, and when they made the Mishkan, Vishachanti betoch b'nei Yisrael, Hashem put his residence only in Shem, nowhere else. The die was cast, nothing will help. Vayishkun ba'ohale Shem, forever and ever Hashem dwells among the seed of Shem, and the Am Yisrael. And what about Yefes, who tagged along? About Yefes, Noach foretold the following. Yaft Elokim Yefet. Hashem will give wide dominion to Yefet. Yaft is from the word Paso. Pato, which means to open up wide, like a Pesach. Because Yefes joined in to take part in a good thing. Noach said, you'll be blessed with great power. From Yefes came... Persia, who ruled the whole world at one time. Greece, too, ruled the world at one time. Yefes was Rome, and all the nations of Europe that conquered all the continents. If you want to know why the white race has covered the face of the earth, if you want to know why civilization, literature, culture, dominion has, has been only in the hands of Caucasian races, then you don't have to look any further than this word, Vayefes. And Yefes also grabbed onto the blanket. Now, he didn't do anything. Shame didn't need him. But that didn't matter to Yefes. When he saw something worthwhile being done, he said, me too. And because of that, history was changed. Of course, if we learn the Chumash today the same way we learned it in the Cheder, or the Beis Yaakov, so it seems to us a trivial event. A trivial, a trivial incident. A small incident. The whole thing took maybe a minute. But Yefes accomplished a tremendous thing when he said, Me too. Oh yes, he blessed himself, his children for many generations. You know, mankind is accustomed to measure everything by weight and by size. Unfortunately, most people don't think that good deeds have to come in big sizes. Either colossal sizes or jumbo or giant. You know, in America... These are the three sizes that anything comes in. Colossal, colossal, jumbo, or giant. They don't make anything else. When you actually buy it, it fits on a thimble. But that's a different story. And therefore, when we see these small opportunities for greatness, we tend to disregard them. However, we should remember at all times the statement in Pirkei Ovis, Don't push away anything. Don't underestimate these little things because we're learning now how really important it is. It's much more important than people think. When you take hold of the corner of the blanket and say, me too, it's a demonstration of where you want to be, where your heart is. And because of that demonstration, the Torah teaches us that Yishalim sachar l'nitpal l'oise mitzvah k'oise mitzvah. That as far as Hashem is concerned, you've done everything. And so, in as many ways as possible, we should always be looking to take hold of the simla and say, me too. In all the good things that the Am Yisrael is doing, we try to join in, to tag along. And although you're not going to change the world by your little acts, 
but you're going to change your world. So let's say you're not able to support a big yeshiva. It costs tremendous money to support a koilel. Imagine they're coming to you, Mr. So-and-so, maybe you'll buy the base medrash in your name or your father's name. It only costs $100,000. If that's too much, maybe you'll buy a room in the yeshiva for $70,000. So you look at them, me, I'm not a rich man. I'm putter. I'm not even interested to think about the whole thing. Ooh, not interested. That's a tragedy. Because there will be tremendous reward for the one who joins in. Like the one who did the mitzvah. The one who gives $5 to the yeshiva has joined in with the one who gave the $100,000 by wanting to join in. And by acting on your intentions, even if it's only a tiny fraction of the mitzvah, you demonstrate where your heart is. That's one of our most important functions in this world, to develop an appreciation. I say appreciation. I should say a desire for the important things of this world. That's what we call creating a Torah mind. I always tell the same story. Reb Simcha Zissel, the altar of Kelm, was a man with very little money. But he had a brother, Reb Leib, who was a businessman. So he once wrote a letter to Reb Leib and asked him to lend him some money. That was a chiddish. Reb Simcha, Reb Simcha Zissel should borrow money. What for? So he said, I want to give tzedakah, but I don't have any money. And I'm getting accustomed to the idea that I don't have to take part in this great avoidance Hashem of the Am Yisrael. Reb Simcha Zissel was saying, me too. That's what his letter meant. And so he borrowed a little bit of money. So that he could be And that's why when you get a letter in the mail, all types of Sadaka requests, Yeshivas Koilim, Choilim, so many organizations, so you shouldn't just throw them in the trash. You should want to join in. Now, will your dollar, your five dollars make a difference? Maybe yes, maybe no, but that's not what we're talking about now. Whether they need your five dollars is not the question. Even if they don't need you, you need them. When you send in five dollars to the Ponovich Yeshiva, so you're already Nispal to Rav Shach. You're a part of the Ponovich Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. You send money to Lakewood and you're joining in with Rav Aaron Kudler, Zechron al Now, Rav Aaron Kudler lived very poorly. I once walked into the house of Rav Aaron and I saw it was a poor house, a very poor house. And because of that, Rav Aaron rose up in my eyes very much. I saw that he didn't take money from the yeshiva and spend it on expensive things. The money was all for feeding the Torah learners and for building a Torah community. And your few dollars means that you're building the same yeshiva that Rav Aaron built. Your nitpal to that great sadik. You know, when you give money to yeshiva, to, to a yeshiva, even a few dollars. So when the boys are sitting and learning Gemara by day and by night, so that's you who's sitting and learning. That's how it is. When you connect to a good cause, it's an especial privilege. We have, and we're learning now, that you get the full zuchus. Just like the third aid zoimim gets the full punishment with those whom he joined, your $5 or $100 gives you the privilege of building Lakewood and Panovich. Even while, even while you go to sleep, you're already wearing pajamas and you're climbing into your bed in, 
If the Bachrim are learning late in the base Medrash, so you're sitting next to those boys. And you're there too. You're Nispala Isa Mitzvah. And even more, when you fall asleep at the end of your days, your money still continues to earn merit for you. You're still learning in the Mir Yeshiva, although now you're in the Yeshiva Shalmala. No question about it. Your money is earning merit for you. Because it's not only money. You've demonstrated where your heart is. You know, we think that when a man leaves over money for yeshiva, so it's just a ceremony. We got rid of him, and now we have his money already. Now we can take him off our mailing lists, and we can forget all about him. You may be, for, you may be forgot about him, but Hashem doesn't forget. This man is attached to the yeshiva now. Absolutely. Now someone that doesn't take this lesson to heart is not just giving up opportunities. He is actually making litzonus of an important Torah attitude. That's what a leitz is. Somebody who doesn't appreciate the importance of a good thing. A leitz is the person who doesn't understand that Torah is important. Here's a firm Jew. He passes by people who come, who come before davening to learn. But he always comes after the learning. Or after davening people sit and learn. But he goes out right away. He's a firm Jew, but he's a late. He doesn't appreciate the vast importance of Torah learning. The attitude, however, of a person who is not a late is different. He wants to participate, even if it's only a bit. At least you should show that you're interested and sit down alongside with them. Even if you can't learn, you come in and sit alongside as they learn. If a person is not able to learn, but he comes and sits down with those who are learning, even if he doesn't understand anything, the Gemara says that such a person is Zoychev Yoishev Yeshiva Shel Mala. He'll be admitted to the Yeshiva Shel Mala eventually. Why is that? He didn't do anything. And the answer is that he did everything. Because he demonstrated, me too. I also want to sit and learn. It's an important lesson. Merely by coming in and sitting down alongside of them, you already are a partner in their idealism and you already have a right to be admitted when the time comes to the yeshiva shalmala. I hope you hear that lesson. It's so important I can't overemphasize it enough. So let's say you see a group of Sephardic Jews bringing a Sefer Torah into their synagogue. They're making Achnasa Sefer Torah and they're dancing on the street and singing their Sephardic songs. Now you're an Ashkenazi. So you're thinking, if it's not, it's not my Sefer Torah, it's none of my business. But then you remember that one time you were sitting by a lecture from Rabbi Miller. And he said that joining in is something too. So you say, I too, I want to honor the Sefer Torah. I also want to bring a new Sefer Torah into this shul. And I'm going to join in, at least a little bit, in their happiness. You didn't give any money. You didn't even know where... You didn't even know there was such a shul around the corner. But it's not only the money. It's the desire to join in that matters. So you follow in with them. You clap a little. Also with your hands, just like they're clapping their hands. You try to sing along with their nigunim. Whatever little bit you can do, you show that you are identifying with them and the mitzvah that they're doing. And by means of being nitpal, la'isa mitzvah, you can achieve the greatest of merits. I'll give you an example. Everyone knows that Zuchus Arabim means benefiting the public and it's one of the greatest things that can be done. I'll quote to you what the Chayfus Levava says of this great deed of helping bring the public back to Judaism, back to Avoid Hashem. He says like this, 
No matter how perfect you are in all the forms of Shlemus, in every kind of perfection, it is as nothing compared to the perfection that comes from causing the multitude to become virtuous. And he explains that it's because all of their subsequent good deeds are credited to your account. Zuchus Harabim pays off very well in the world to come. But you think, what can I do already? I'm a simple Jew in Flatbush. I don't have influence. I don't have money. But we're learning tonight that by looking to join others who are performing good things, there's always something you can do. There are many ways to actually help other Jews to become loyal to Hashem. More observant in Torah. There are, all, there are ways of doing it. There's a man who used to come here. He used to buy subscriptions for Lubavitcher Children's Magazine. Talks and tales that used to come out every month. Not for himself. He used to send subscriptions to Jewish families where he felt it would have an influence on them. He was a plain man, not wealthy at all, but he made an impact. And when he didn't have enough money, he would collect money from people here in the shul and buy subscriptions. Many of our people joined in with him. So every month, a Frum magazine was coming into people's homes because of them. When the Jewish press first came out, I took money out of my own pocket. I didn't have any extra money in my pocket. And I made a deal with the editor, who was at that time Rav Simcha Weissman. I made a deal with him, and he gave me a reduced price, and I ordered 23 subscriptions. I paid half the bill out of my own pocket, and the other half I got from the synagogue. And we had 23 people in the shul who were subscribed to the Jewish press. That's something to do. You could order a subscription to the Jewish press and have it mailed to them every week for a family that, kn- that knows nothing about Judaism. The Jewish press is a boon. You can call the Jewish press and pay them to send their newspaper to other people's homes. There's such a thing as subscribing to from things and sending it to other people. It might have a good effect on them. You want to buy a different newspaper for them? Okay. There are better things than the Jewish press. There's lots of from literature today. Whatever it is, every week, every month, it will come to their door. I tell people who have a family or friends that they want to influence towards a Torah life, that it's a good idea to send them something like that. The magazine or the from newspaper comes in. It comes into a home where they never think about Shabbos or Kashrus at all. And some homes where they do. But they never speak about Hashem in that home. And here comes into their mailbox a newspaper that's speaking about Torah ideals, about the Am Yisroel, even kosher restaurants and kosher foods. There's a little bit of Torah in there too. It opens up their eyes. There are ways and means of doing good things, only that you have to take an interest into it. You have to be interested in wanting to join in. Now if you do that, so you've joined into the great project of the Am Yisroel, of trying to bring back our lost brothers. Let's say you can't afford it. If you desire it, you'll find ways. So when you hear about good things being done, let's say, you hear the Babava, the Babava are making a big yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, or that the Satmer are building a big base medrash someplace. Even though you have no connection with them, you're not a Babava or a Satmer. And besides, you live far away. You'll never see the base medrash. No matter, you want to be a part of that mitzvah. But you think, Ah, it's a very good thing. You have to express happiness about it. I too am also happy. Think, yes, I'm full of simcha that they did it. Of course, if you can't send $5 a contribution, even better. If you can send $5 a contribution, even better. Join in whichever way you can, but at least think in your heart.
I am part of it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you credit for taking hold of the blanket, for joining in with them. If we had to sum up our lecture in one sentence, we'd say that we must begin to join in with good people. As much as possible, we try to be nitpal la'oisim mitzvah, to those who are doing good things. And even though we ourselves sometimes might be far away from their perfection, we still identify with good ones as much as we can. Now that's a very important lesson. Identify with all the good Jews everywhere, they're, everywhere they're, they are. You join in with the firm Jews, with all people who learn in the yeshivas, with all the black hats. You see people with black hats. Now you don't wear a black hat. You wear a yarmulke, let's say. But you look at the black hats and you say, I myself don't do it, but I admire them. I belong to them. They're my people. That's me. That's a very important lesson. And it opens up for us a a panorama of greatness. Don't say, those black hats, that means you're somebody else. You're not from them. No, I'm a black hat man, even though I don't wear one. Now, if you can buy a black hat, even better. That means you grab onto the blanket a little bit more. But even if you can't, for whatever reason you can't, you still can join the good ones in many ways. And the more you join them and identify with them, the more reward you get together with them. And by means of joining, we have a share together with them. That's how important it is to take hold of the garment and say, me too. And it's so easy to do that. Because what did Yefes do after all? He just took hold of a blanket just to take hold and say, I also want. And so we also say together, I am also a servant of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Did you ever sing that song? You say, Anna, 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 I too, Anna, me too, Anna, me too. Now it doesn't mean that he's already an Eved Hashem, but he's saying, I too. And if you say that, if you want to be an Eved Hashem, and you join with him all the great things, of the Am Yisrael, by means of action and by means of thought, so you'll be zoiche to be part of the Am Yisrael forever and ever. If you're nitpal to the Am Yisrael, and you are, then you are the Am Yisrael, and membership in the Klal Yisrael entitles you to the most eternal of all rewards, call Yisrael yesh lahem echelek haba. It doesn't say there, call hatzadikim. It says, call Yisrael. If you're part of us, then you are forever. And those people who neglect that, it's only because they're blind to the great truths of the Torah, to the eternal glory of joining in with our people. You don't see it now, but the Mesil Yishodim says that the time will come when Tibachen toladito beberur vadai. In the world to come, the results are going to be clarified and demonstrated beyond any doubt. We should always keep in mind that by showing that we're part of the Am Yisrael, that by saying, I belong, we're gaining a ticket to Oilam Haba Kippushtoi. And why is that? Because we are nitpal to that great nation. We join in the Avoidus Hashem of Kol Yisrael and are thereby Zoiche to Kol Yisrael Yeshlahim Chelek Le Haba. Have a wonderful Shabbos.